Welcome to the FitPro Lead Gen Podcast, where each Monday we bring you a brand new guest interview. And today we have another big one for you. But before we do dive into this week's guest interview, I just want to say a big thank you to Lead Deck for sponsoring these shows. Lead Deck is the all-in-one platform that helps you generate more leads and get more bookings. As usual, if you want to join in live with these guest interviews and ask questions to the guests themselves, then come and join us in the free Facebook group. In there, you'll be able to join in with these interviews interviews and find a load more resources to help grow your fitness business. Anyway, enough of me talking, let's dive into this week's guest interview. Place grew it, grew, grew a studio over here. I then sold that to a partner. Then I ended up opening another gym in Romania. Uh, we using the same systems in 2014. Uh, I later then sold my shares there and came back to Cyprus again. And then in 2018, I met up with my current business partner, James Calderbank, who I'm sure you, 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 you'll have on the show or, or you will, or you have already. And, uh, yeah, so he had just started the transform hub, which was again, same, same kind of model, large group training, functional facility. And he started off as a client of mine. He came to one of my events looking for help. He just opened the studio, didn't really, you know, wasn't sure the best direction to go next. We started working together. We ended up becoming business partners and, and great friends. Um, you know, implemented the same systems in the Transform Hub as I'd previously used. And 2020 came around the corner. We, we'd opened two locations by that point. So we went into 2020 with two locations in, in February, uh, about to open the third one in March. But then in March, as we know, the world melted and uh, <laughs> everything went to pot. Um, but then to kind of fast forward to the end, coming out of the pandemic, out of the last two years, we've just finished this year, 2022, uh, on um, 20 locations. That's about... Um, it's about 16 or 17 open and three or four are leases that we've signed and ready to open in the, in the next coming months. And, and we're looking to add at least another 15 locations in 2023. So that's the long and short of it over the last 12 years. Nice. It's, was it daunting going and traveling out of the UK to open the business? Because it Opening a studio in Romania, I don't think that's on many people's wish list born in the UK. Well, you know, the first first traveling from the UK to Cyprus opened my eyes and made me feel a lot more comfortable about doing things anywhere. Yeah. Uh, like I live, I lived in Cyprus for 12 years. I don't speak barely a word of Greek, which is what they speak. Um, I opened a business in Romania. I barely speak any Romanian. So, you know, so many European countries around the world, they're, they're so English-speaking friendly. Um, you barely have to even speak the language to live in some of these countries, in some of these emerging markets. So it was it was a bit, it wasn't too daunting for me leaving the UK and starting a business because back then, 12 years ago, I didn't even see it as opening a business. I didn't see myself as an entrepreneur. I was a guy working at a gym, like probably like many of your listeners or, or like maybe like yourself, working out of someone else's gym, trying to implement ideas, trying to be creative, trying to do things better, getting no recognition for it, no support for it. And eventually just thought, well, I may as well go out and 
put this effort in on my own. Mm. Um, and then when I came to Cyprus uh, and friends of my family said, you know, everyone speaks English out there. There's a big English community. You know, you, you, you'll, you'll work mostly with English clients or, 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 or Greek or English speaking um, Cypriots. And um, I just didn't think of it as a business. For me, it was a chance to go and live somewhere nice or take an extended break somewhere nice and just open a boot camp. It was an outdoor boot camp while I was here. Uh, and again, I never thought of it as a business back then. I wasn't like entrepreneurial minded. It was just me trying to make a living uh, and just trying to get 30 to 50 people to pay me for a boot camp so I could just make a couple of thousand euros a month and, and live in a, in a nice place. Nice. Okay. It wasn't until later I really started, you know, trying to think like a business owner. So let's start working through the foundations then. Let's start with lead gen for what you did back then and what you did now. So for many people, uh, if they move to a brand new area, they don't know anybody. So they've got no friends and family to rely on to be able to generate leads. And they might not have a budget to unpaid ads. How did you go about generating all these leads and sales in a country that you've never potentially been to before you knew nobody how did you manage to fill that location via the organic route let's say yeah good question so yeah i you know i had no connections no lists no audience um facebook ads weren't even really a thing back then it was just a little sidebar ad at the time you could put an image and like three words in there or something um so that wasn't even they didn't have news feed ads or anything i think it was barely a news feed back then um no instagram nothing like that and uh, so at the time, in the beginning, in the first couple of months, I didn't generate any leads. <laughs> that was the issue. That's when I realized I was actually, you know, I need to actually learn how to do this. Being a good trainer is, is not enough. And um, for me, I started learning a lot of um, very much organic, um, local-based referral kind of methods, so a big one that I learned from one of my early mentors, uh, Chris McCombs. So I went online one day, I just went on Google. And I was like, how do I you know? How do I do fitness marketing, basically? How do I get fitness clients? Came across some blogs and things from guys in the US. And one of the first methods I saw that I, that I, I used straight away was called the human billboard method. Um, we now call it the, the, the micro-influencer method. But back then we called it the human billboard, where essentially... Um, I, I just, in a desperate attempt to get clients because I was, I was literally a few days away from being evicted from the apartment I had because I hadn't paid the rent. Uh, I was struggling so much. So it's do or die at that point. And I, and I went out there and I just, I think the first like 500 women that I approached, so I was, I was working with doing a women's boot camp. Um, I would just, if I saw a woman jogging on the street or, or a woman, um, at, at the checkout at the grocery shop or um, a mum with her kids in a coffee shop, you know, or the women that I knew in the area, absolutely everyone, I would just stop and speak to them and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a local personal trainer. I've got a really good fitness boot camp, but I've got like no money for marketing or billboards or anything like that. Um, so what, I, what I'm offering is if you want to come and try it for one month, you know, I promise I'll get you in the absolute best shape ever. You're going to absolutely love it. And when your friends start asking you, what's your secret? Why, how's all the weight falling off? You just tell them about me and they can come and pay the regular price. So in a, in like a, in a two or three week period, I think I literally asked, I, I kind of gave that spiel to about 500 women. Mm. 
and about 400 just thought I was a creep or crazy. Uh, about 100 were kind of interested. About 50 said they would come and do it, uh, and then they, they they said they'd come in, uh, and then about 20 actually turned up at the end of the month. Uh, and I trained those 20 people, gave them a great time, uh, and out of those 20, I think you know five of them really then referred me a, a, a good handful of clients, and another five couldn't. They said they you know they they, they tried referring, but they couldn't find anyone. But they wanted to carry on, and they were happy to pay my 99 euros a month full price after that. So that's how I got my first kind of like 20, 30 clients. Another strategy I used was 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 network net, networking or collaborating with local strategic partners. So I would find schools, hair salons, um, you know yoga people, anyone that had a complimentary service to me that that also had access to my target audience, which was women 30 to 50. So I approached like 10 salons and um, I walked into each of those salons. They'd have an average of three to five hairdressers or, or, or nail technicians or beauty therapists. And I would just walk in and say, hey girls, like I'm a local personal trainer. Um, again, I've got no money for marketing. <laughs> I was just honest about it. Um, I was like, I, I'm broke. I've got no money for marketing, but I'm a really good trainer. And I think we share a lot of the same customers. Um, and in fact, what I would do is I would ask my clients or my friends who they used for nail and beauty so I could get a warm intro. Yeah. And so if, if my client Kelly says, I go to uh, ABC hair salon, I would walk into that hair salon and say, Hey, you know, I'm a personal trainer. Um, and my friend or my client Kelly says, you guys are amazing and I should come and talk to you. So then they have to talk to you because now you're, you've got that connection with their clients. They can't dismiss you uh, or they look like assholes. So I said, oh, my, you know, my friend Kelly comes to you guys. She said, you're amazing. I should definitely talk to you. So I run a fitness boot camp. We've got the same similar clientele. You know, I, I make them, I make them uh, you know, look good. Then you make them feel good when they come and get their, uh, their nails and their hair done. And, and the women are always asking me where they should come, you know, or, or does anybody know any good places? So maybe we can collaborate and, you know, you guys can come along to my boot camp, try it out for free. And, um, you know, and if you like it, then you can recommend it. And as you're, you know, basically, you know, as, as you're um, working with your clients, cut, cutting their hair uh, and you start walking around limping because your ass is so sore, right or your legs are sore uh and your clients ask like you know what are you doing you can just say you've been training at my place and it's, it's amazing and see if they want to come nice so nice. they didn't have to do any hard selling for me they were just conversationally <laughs> talk to their talk to their clients about it right um so yeah that was like two methods i used in the beginning uh and really that that got me to about to about 30 or 40 consistent uh, boot campers in a couple of months yeah, it, it really is crazy to think like it's such a simple way of doing it. Just going out there and talk it's such a simple way of doing it. Yeah. I don't know, a lot of us these days, I think because the rise of social media and running paid ads, we kind of forget the the like you say, the real simple guerrilla marketing style of generating leads. Well, you know, it's funny, it's funny you say that because what's interesting now is after that, you know the simple answer after that, like Facebook ads came out. And so I used Facebook ads and we blew up, right? Like, 
it, it, you know, Facebook was the magic shortcut. But now what's interesting, as we're going into more, you know, recession times, what I'm, what I'm advising fit pros and what we're doing ourselves is we're actually going back. We're circling back now to a lot of those old guerrilla methods, not to replace Facebook ads, but, but to supplement them, hmm. to diversify a little bit. We've, had, we've, had a, we've all had a great run with Facebook ads, right? You'll agree with the last five, six, seven years. Um, but it comes a point where you need to, you don't want that to be the only source because if it, if it goes away or your account's disabled for a few days or whatever, it's panic mode, right? So we're going back and we're now, we're now, especially since the pandemic, where people want to collaborate more, people want to get together. Salons and places, they need to get their businesses back off the ground. So everyone just seems to be a lot more open and receptive to these methods again. Uh, and we're actually kind of going full circle on it now. Nice. So that's one. And, and then to your other point about social media, I, I think that's definitely part of it. I think a lot of younger trainers today, if, if any trainers watching this who are under 30, um, probably would freak out more at the fact of like walking into a place and talking to someone, which is what like guys like me and you had to do back in the day. Um, but I, but I actually, but I, but I don't think we can put all the blame on social media because even back then, um, that was still a hard thing for me to do. It was a hard, it was because not all trainers still 99% of trainers wouldn't do, wouldn't have done that back then because it is tough to face rejection and to speak to 500 people. I did it though, because I got to a point where it was do or die. Yeah. And your fear kind of goes away at that point. So, you know, I, I think, I think equally back then is the same as today. Most trainers just don't have the guts to go and do that social media um, changes or not. And you know, ultimately you've got to get to a place where your back's against the wall. And it, if, if you come to that point where it's do or die, you're going to forget all those fears and anyone could do this watching this. And this is why I have bulletproof confidence in business. Cause if I lost absolutely everything, if all our gyms were gone tomorrow, if I, or if I just lost everything, I don't worry about it. Cause I could go right back to opening a boot camp tomorrow and I know I could I could walk into my town, and I'd I'd hit twenty salons, five schools, I'd hit every single place I know. I'd call every person in my phone book, and I'd have fifty clients by the end of this week. So I think it's a really good exercise for everyone to go and do this. Um, it's great for getting clients, but more than that, it just gives you like a bulletproof confidence that you know that you'll always be able to um, survive. And you haven't got to, you know, then like live or die by how well your Facebook ads are doing today. <clears throat> it's not something we kind of wanted to go into with this episode today, but you said confidence of rejection or being able to handle rejection. Why do you think people sometimes then struggle to do this because they fear of rejection? Where does that kind of come from and how do we beat that? Um, yeah, good question. So obviously everyone everyone struggles with fear of rejection. You know, it's why we don't approach people we're attracted to. It's why we don't uh, always go for jobs we want or, or or anything really. It's it's why it's why your prospects don't always reach out to you when they see your ads. We forget a lot of prospects see our ad. They I really want to do that, but you know, I, I don't know if I'm ready to talk to someone on the phone. I don't know if I'm ready to do it. What if I'm not good enough? We all, everyone gets these, these, these fears and successful people in any endeavor are the ones that can override that base conditioning 
uh, and just go to a higher level of operation and, and just have thick skin, emotional resilience, um, you know, those who can just tolerate it. And so how you overcome it? Well, it is an easy way and there's a hard way. The easy way is you can learn from, from, from stuff like this. You can learn from other people's experience. Uh, you can learn from someone like me telling you I've done it and it's not that hard. And there's nothing to be afraid of. When I approached, you know, if I approached a woman in a coffee shop and she's there with two kids, uh, all the fears I thought would happen, you know, didn't happen. If I approached her and said, hey, just sorry, excuse me, I see you're with your kids. Um, like, hey, uh, I, I run a boot camp for busy mums. You know, um, a lot of them have young kids like you as well. So I'm just wondering if you want to try it out for a week, I have some guest passes. And if, if not, it's cool. You know, and all the fears you think, never happened she no one ever threw a coffee on me no one blew a rape whistle no one like did anything crazy they would just be like oh yeah that sounds really cool can my friend come as well or they'd be like oh i already go to a gym but thanks that was like the worst that ever happened hmm. and eventually you know I, i'd always get those nerves before i walked into a salon um but the the, the fear like never actually materially materialized nothing really ever happened that was bad um, at the at the worst, you get someone who's just disinterested, and they're like, "No thanks," and you're like, "What well, is that? Is that all I was afraid of?" And if you understand this, the easy way from experience, from someone else's experience, you might be able to take this and go right into your town high street right now and approach. You could be on the phone calling up or approaching twenty salons in your area this afternoon. And you could walk away with five clients and make and make 500 euros or pounds by tomorrow. That's the easy way. But most people don't do that. The hard way to learn this and overcome it is, is just through your own experience of getting to a point where, you know, you've got to get, I, th I think, to overcome most of these fears, you have to get to a point where you're pushed to it. Again, your back has to be against the wall. Most trainers don't succeed at a high level and most people don't succeed at a high level because they're too comfortable things aren't good enough for them but things aren't bad enough for them to move either and so it again for me it was i i moved out of i got away from my parents no no family to fall back on gone to a new area i i set my environment up against me so i had to perform I hadn't paid my rent. I was going to be evicted. I had no choice. It's it's like uh, at that point when when a worse threat comes up, like being homeless. You know when that means when the pain of changing your activity is worse than what will happen if you stay the same. You'll change in an instant. It doesn't take motivation or willpower. So most people just have most trainers have no ultimate threat. But if I put a gun to their head and said, hey, you know, if you don't go out and approach 50 salons today or, or you know, finally invest and, in, you know, pay David Kyle to run some Facebook ads, which you'd be putting off, if I put a gun to your head and say, I'll blow your brains out if you don't do it in 12 hours or I'll shoot your dog or something, everyone will do it because the, the, that pain is going to be worse than actually going out there and, and doing some ads or approaching some people. So I would recommend you get yourself into a situation like that put your own back against the wall or if you're lucky life will do it for you but for the majority of people they'll just stay good enough an average and 
you got to ask yourself right now, are you actually just too good to be great right now? That's the problem most people, most trainers struggle with. It's not, it's nothing, nothing bad. It's not the economy. It's nothing bad. It's, it's not their market. Um, it's, it's just, they have something good that they settle for. Exactly. Uh, they're okay exactly. making 2000, 3000 a month. Nice. Okay. So let's get back into the lead gen. We knew what you did back in the day when you were in Romania and these places with no Facebook ads and nothing like that. Let's skip forward to 2023. You mentioned we're going to open 10 to 15 new studios this year alone. How are you going to fill those studios to 100 clients? What is the lead gen strategy to filling those initial studios up this year? So, yeah. So yeah, our method, as it has been for every location in the last two years, is you know a big launch. It's predominantly Facebook ads um, for for launch. You know, so if um, we we look to launch, depending on the size of the location, but generally we look for we're going to have a five to six thousand square foot kind of facility. Uh, um, for that size, generally we can take on sixty to eighty clients for for a six-week challenge um, so that's generally what we would launch with uh, and we would fill up those spots probably at one month in advance um pretty much virtually all through facebook ads you know so that's for the launch uh and then we'll and then we would we'll, we'll do you know recurring challenges after that um which again facebook again facebook ads no beating around the bush is is ninety percent predominantly the still the best strategy in the world that every fit pro should be doing. Um, it's unbelievable to me how fit pros are still not doing it in twenty twenty three. But yeah, it's going to be ads. I can go into more depth on that if you want, but that's the overall um, the main tactic. Okay, so let's go into a few common uh, concerns when it comes to Facebook ads. I've tried running Facebook ads before and it didn't work. What's the answer there then? Right, good, good question. So the answer here is going to be a bit more advanced. Uh, but if you understand this as, as a fit pro, you're going to have the, literally the secret to making money and successful business forever. The reason, the reasons I see fit pros fail with Facebook ads, they fail to try or they fail to be consistent and they give up. Number one, they don't understand ROI and cost versus return. Right, so they don't they don't actually understand. They don't think about um, what a customer is worth, and therefore your Facebook ads or any paid advertising is just the act of buying customers, hopefully at a profit. So, because a trainer isn't thinking of it as buying customers, they if you, they spend forty pounds and, and and get no return, they think that was a waste of money. But if you think of it as, you know, would you would you give me fifty pounds to get one customer who pays you a hundred pounds every month? They'd all say, well, yeah, of course I would. So the first mindset shift is, well, that's all you're paying Facebook to do. So you've got to work out how much are you actually willing to spend to buy one customer. And the the cool thing about this is that the better you are as a service provider, the better results you get, the better customer service you give the more your customer is going to stay with you and pay higher prices. And the more the customer is worth to you, that means the more you can actually afford to spend to buy the customer. Right? So it's not even a marketing hack. This is actually comes down ultimately to being, you know, because people think, well, 
Oh, you guys, like you, you, you cheated in some way. You just, you just scaled your business with Facebook ads. You don't care about customer service. I get that all the time from like brokey struggling fit pros, right? Cause I've got, cause I run ads and get tons of clients. We must therefore not care about results and service. But I say, no, the results and service is how we get an average two to three year plus retention rate to get amazing killer results. Um, and we know our customer is worth £2,000 to us in the long haul. So we'll easily spend £50 on Facebook every single day to get a customer. Right? So that's number one. You've got to think of that mindset. And it doesn't, and it doesn't, um, it doesn't mean you have, you can, you can be lazy on results and customer service. It means you have to be better at customer service. Second then is when you mentioned, they say it didn't work. I ask fit pros, like what metrics are you basing that on? Because most fit pros are not tracking any metrics or they're not tracking the right metrics. So essentially fit pros who fail with Facebook ads are just like the clients they have who fail with a nutritional fitness plan. They make all the same mistakes. Because if, if a client says to you, I've done, I, I joined a gym this week. Um, you know, I went in three times, I haven't got a six pack yet. It's not working. You've got to ask, what would you say to that client? Or if a client says this diet plan isn't working and you say, well, did you track how many calories you ate? And they say, oh, no, I didn't actually track that. Or I didn't weigh myself on the scale. Then you'd ask, well, how do you know it's working? Most fit pros just go by, a, they, they, they go by a feeling. It's like, well, I, I feel like it's not working. Why is that? Oh, because I, you know, I haven't got seven figures yet after four days. So they go by feels, not by reels. Okay. We're going to go on what's real, not, not how you feel. And you've got to look at the hard data. So, um, we, we need to look at the metrics need, need to know how much are you spending to acquire a lead? What percentage of those leads do you actually book into an appointment or speak to on the phone or book in for a trial? Uh, and, and then work out then what is going to be your cost, cost of acquisition. So how much do you spend to buy the customer and look at, look at your lead to sale ratio. So we, with a bit of data, we figure out, okay, we need 10 for every 10 leads we get, we tend to get one sale, for example, which is a 10% lead to sale ratio. So if you know you're paying about five pounds a lead and you need an average 10 leads to get one customer, those 10 leads are going to cost you 50 pounds. That's what you're going to pay to get a customer. And as soon as you understand that, the whole opportunity blows wide open for you because you actually understand what you're doing. You can take emotion out of it. You can be level-headed. I've seen so many fit pros who are two inches from the gold. They spend 45 pounds on ads. They get, they get nine leads, but didn't make a sale and they're about to quit. And then we, we walk through the metrics with them. They hold in there for one more day. They spend another five pounds taking their, their total to 50. And then they make two sales in the next two days and triple their investment. And I just say to them, like, if you would quit at, at spending 45 pounds, you know, if you didn't just lose the customer, you've kept your mindset the same and your income overall probably will not grow past where you are for the next year or two. But if you break through that and you actually just understand this relatively simple stuff, just looking at it with a different mindset, that is how you can literally double, triple, quadruple, or like we've done 10x 
from two locations to 20 it, through a pandemic, it's, 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 it's largely down to our own mindset and psychology, but then half down to knowing our numbers and mathematics, just maths and psychology. That's all it is. Okay. So I know the numbers that you guys are doing for your Facebook ads when it comes to the amount of leads. But one thing we see a lot of is the lead was terrible. They didn't answer the phone. Um, the, the, the leads are rubbish. The leads are not good quality. All this stuff. Nobody's answering phone type of stuff. But I'm guessing, well, we, we both know the number of leads you generate every single day. How come you guys are not saying those type of things compared to some of the others who are spending 10, 15 pounds a day? And that's what they're saying. Because we take responsibility for everything. And by blaming the lead, we are disempowering ourselves. Because firstly, it doesn't make any, it doesn't actually add up as any evidence because, um, I mean, <laughs> if, if we're getting the same lead, the same leads as other people, we're not targeting by any different metrics. We're only look, we're only targeting for say, women and men of a certain age range who are, you know, close to our location. That's what most of the pros are doing, right? There's nothing, nothing special or different. So if our gyms, and many of the fit pros I know and have worked with and the guys you've worked with are, are, are converting, getting good quality leads, but other, other fit pros are pulling from the same pool, but they're not getting the leads. You can have two fit pros in the same area, in the same city. One, one is killing it and saying these leads are great, and the other one is failing and saying these leads suck. So what's the actual, what's the actual variable here? The variable is them, not the leads. So first of all, it just doesn't even add up Number one, that like you can't prove the leads of quality. That's that's literally a victim mindset. It's it's um, abstaining from responsibility, and it's an easy way to just blame someone else and take the focus off you. But it doesn't even make sense in real life. There's no way to say uh, a lead is is less quality. Second of all, I don't. I I think it's on you as the marketer or the business owner. It's your job. Leads don't come pre-qualified. It's your job to qualify the lead. Okay. And what I mean by that is fit pros don't usually get when I say that, but you qualify the lead. The lead doesn't qualify. The lead is a the lead is a person. Person's a person wandering around, doing their life as normal. Your job is to qualify them, which means a more qualified lead is someone that is more educated. They understand. What the prop they're more aware of the problem they're in and they're more aware of what the solution is and secondly they're more inspired to actually overcome their limiting beliefs and move forward and work with you so you qualify a lead um in those two ways and then by logistically like if you're if you're targeting leads that are 30 miles away yes that's an unqualified lead but it's still your fault because you did your targeting wrong so or if you're targeting an age, like you're targeting 18 year olds and you're selling a 200 pounds a month program, that's still your fault, right? Because you, you got the message to market, uh, sorry, market to, um, marketing to media message wrong, right? You got, you got that communication wrong. So what happens is this, right? When we, the big difference we found, the biggest hack of everything is response time. When we bring in leads, uh, they give us their name, email, phone number, let's say, and they've, they've read the same advert that says it's a challenge. You get these things. Hit us up if you want some information. We'll give you a call. 
When we call that lead within 20 minutes of them submitting the form, we get a 50% pickup rate on the phone. If we call that person up eight hours later, we'll get a 20% pickup rate. If we try calling them back four days, the first callback is three, four days later, you got no chance. So in most cases, when pros say the lead is unqualified and didn't pick up the phone, that's often because they waited too long to get back to them. Goes with anything. If you meet a nice, attractive girl or guy at a bar and they give you their phone number and say, text me, and you wait three weeks, then you text them. They're like, yeah, who the hell is this? But if you text them back the next day and they remember you and they're still kind of inspired, it's going to go forward. So this is nothing new. This is, this is just human psychology. Uh, and most of pros are doing that, first of all. So they're not contacting leads fast enough. Uh, and then they're blaming the lead quality. The second thing is um, pros have to work on what I call creating a signature or irresistible offer. Most fit pros are just offering boring me too uh, kind of stuff, which doesn't get leads inspired at all. So if they put an advert out that says, Hey, we've got this gym. Um, we're offering a, a free workout and, and you get some leads because it's free. But a lot of people are not going to pick up the phone or they're not going to take them whatever the next step is, like come to your studio or whatever, because the free workout isn't that inspiring. They were like, yeah, it sounded good at the time, but now, now it comes to it. Um, like, uh, whatever, I, I can leave it. Whereas if I put an offer out and say, hey, sign up for this, there's only 10 spaces, you're going to get a free 21-day belly blast program that starts on Monday, I'm going to get lots of leads, but I'm going to get more leads seeming more qualified because they'll be more interested. There's more fear of loss for them because they're more inspired to do the thing I'm offering because my offer is better. So I think that's a big part of it too. It's the offer you put out. If it's a, if it's a truly inspiring value-packed offer, then people the leads are going to follow through. And if you call them back promptly, which is just courteous and good customer service, so they actually remember like them, they, you know, they filled in the advert and they actually remember doing it 20 minutes ago, they're going to be blown away. Um, and there's also a couple of things you can do as well. Like if you're using like any landing pages or anything like that, you can, you know, we, we always put like a video on there and put our phone number on and tell them like, Hey, this is the number we're going to call you from. So save it into your phone. And that way, when we call them up, it's a recognized number. So I think a lot of the time people don't answer the phone because they don't recognize the number. So there's some little hacks like that as well you can do to increase the response rate. But ultimately, yeah, the whole, you know, you have to qualify the lead. It's your job to convince them and to get the lead. And it's your job to convince them to take the next step to meet up with you as well. Like it's your job then to get them to pay you money. And it's your job to get them to retain over one year with you. So Take responsibility, think like a business owner, stop trying to offset these marketing responsibilities because whether you like it or not, if you're a freelance trainer, you signed up to, uh, you signed up for this. You signed up to be in control of everything. You can't be a freelance trainer, self-employed, but then say, I don't want to do marketing. It's not my problem because it, it will be your problem at the end of the day. Nice. Okay. 
two more quick questions before we dive into opening the studio, because I'm guessing lots of people are watching this thing. I want to open the studio. The first one then is we're generating all these leads and we're going to make the sale. How simple or complicated is that making the sales process? So what's the question? How simple is it to make a sale? Yeah. Um, or how complicated do we need to make it? Is it just a fairly straightforward, have a chat on the phone, send them the link and pay, or do we have to make it really complicated? Uh, yeah, so there's different ways of doing it, you know, but I've always found for efficiency, uh, we've always done phone, I've always done phone sales. Um, since my very first ever um, boot camp, you know, apart from when I first brought them in and I upsold them during the 30-day trial, as soon as I started Facebook ads, I only ever used uh, a phone call method. I've never done anything different, so I just don't know anything, anything else. I've never understood, like, bringing people in to like watch the, like what do they want to know like what, what my kettlebells look like it's like um you know i don't understand that, that, that's an old kind of leisure center gym mentality which doesn't really work for boutique studio owners so for me you can do it over the phone i've proven it for 10 years and thousands of phone calls um as long as your price point is is relatively uh you know reasonable um if you're charging anywhere from 100 to 300 pounds, I would say, then with a bit of skill and practice, you can just close 20 minutes on the phone. So for me, that works better because it's, it's the most um, efficient use of time. I, I see a lot of trainers who they, they book people in to come in for like 30 minute consultations. And then you put that time aside. And if that person, you wait till quarter past the hour, and if that person doesn't show up, you already wasted 15 minutes. And then your the remaining 15 minutes is now um, wasted as well. Whereas if you just call someone up and they don't answer, you, you've lost 20 seconds. So for us as well, and, and if you can close 33 to 40% of the phone calls that you make, well, which you can with a, just a good sales script process, then, you know, we can, we can basically dial and, and, and do three to four calls in one hour. So we can literally close one to two sales within the hour um, without booking anybody in, without waiting for people to turn up. Um, and if those people don't answer the phone, we just call the next person. And then the next hour, we'll call those original people back again. So our salespeople can just stay completely busy uh, and they can just be focused on, on, on making sales all day long. Our job then is just to stop, is just keep the leads piling in. Nice. Okay, so let's move on to the last quick question then. You mentioned in any particular challenge, you could do 60 to 80 clients to start a challenge. Now, people are going to be thinking, wow, that that's just seems impossible. Yeah. What is the magic behind onboarding, starting 60 to 80 people in one challenge at the, at, in one go? Yeah, well, it, com it comes down to, um, in my view, scaling up. Isn't, isn't about how many locations or how much money you have. Scaling is about it's um, how many people can you serve at the same high level of quality that you were known for in the beginning. So we've determined through trial and error, um, when we do about 60 to 80 in a, in a challenge, again, for, for about a 6,000 square foot location, where we'll have maybe two to three full-time coaching staff. Okay, so based on those resources on the size of the groups, the number of staff that we have. We also have some, some ambassador clients helping us out with weights and me measurements and things. Based on that, 
um, is that's the rate where we get great results for our clients, but also we get the biggest number of people upselling and staying with us long-term, like 60 to 70%. When we then tested going to like 100 plus clients, which we could easily do just by scaling our Facebook ads, whenever we've gone over that, then our like our systems get stretched a little bit and our, our coaches get a bit overwhelmed. They don't get the same time to, to connect with all the clients. Um, the clients might feel the sessions are a bit overbooked. Uh, and then our upsell rate drops down to like 35%. But that's when we found our threshold and then we scaled it back to 60 to 80 on average. And so for us, the, the, the key, the, the secret to that is you've got to know it's, it's how much your systems and your staff can, can withhold and still deliver the great service. So there's going to be a certain baseline level uh, that, your, that, that your staff can do. Um, maybe that's 60 clients, for example. But then if you then optimize your systems, make your systems more efficient, make it you know, easier to track client progress, make communication systems smoother so it's easier for clients and coaches to interact. Uh, if you then make, so the system is smoother, that'll allow you to take on a couple more clients. And then if you train your team, when, you, when your team are more experienced, when your team can do things faster, when they are, when your team are more emotionally resilient and they're okay with, with, with you know, our team freak out the first time they have to, they have an 80, 80 person intake. But after six months, our team are like, bring it on. So they just become better with the same workload, which means as as your gym or studio and your staff as an extension mature, the numbers can change. And um, that's something we, we talk a lot about is, is gym maturity. Your the numbers you can run for different things change in year two, year three, and year four of having a gym as they would be in year one. Right? So for example, like your sales your average conversion rate in the first year of business might only be 30% because you suck at sales in the beginning. You haven't locked in your offer. You don't have amazing word of mouth. Um, you haven't, you haven't got tons of client testimonials yet, but in year two, now your average conversion rate might go to 50%. Not because maybe you got a bit better on the phone, but now you've got more money to spend on more leads. You get more practice. You've got more confidence. You've got more word of mouth. You've got more referrals. You're more known. You've been running ads for a year. So the leads actually are more qualified now. Um, so, yeah, so that will change as your business gets more mature. But if you look at the systems and the staff, and if you're the only staff member, then the more systems you put in place to help you, and the more you develop your um, your 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 uh, work ethic, essentially, and your ability to handle more clients, you'll be able to make more money. Nice. Okay. So we've covered lead gen, we've covered sales, we covered staff and automations and systems and all that type of stuff. The big one now that everyone's going to be wondering is like, how do you open a studio? Obviously. You've got 20 studios of experience now, plus the other 10 coming this year. How does someone go about opening their first studio, which is kind of like everyone's big dream? So, um, yeah, to open the first one. So, I mean, there's a couple of things you need in place. Um, I know my answer now is very different to, I've helped, I'm helping someone 
you know, here in Cyprus, helping her to um, open her studio in the next few months. And my answers now are very different to what they would have been a couple of years ago when I was starting out. Um, you've, I mean, number one, you've got to have capital. Like you need money, right? <laughs> no matter how, which way you want to go about it, you need capital um, to, op- if you're talking about opening an actual studio, you've, you've got to have the money to do it. And not just the money to open the studio, but capital investment in a, in a new business should include at least two to three months of your anticipated running costs. So you don't want to take, you know, 30,000 pounds out to open a studio, pay for everything, and then you let your back to zero on day one. If you, if you think it's going to cost you five, 6,000 a month to run the studio, pay your rent, pay yourself, pay your ads, whatever else, um, if that's going to cost you 5K a month, you estimate, then really you want to be getting the capital of about 45,000, which is 15K on top, right? So then you haven't got a stress for the first three months. You can, you can get more leads. You can, you've, got, you've got a buffer zone to make more money. So I think most people who open a studio are undercapitalized, first of all. That's the first one. They just don't um, – they look at how much money it costs to buy the equipment, but then they have no money left over for marketing, no money left aside to pay themselves, no money aside for for, for anything, right? Um, so you so so my my solution to that would be is, um, and I know many for pros are probably averse to this. I was as well. I I wouldn't have liked this advice in the beginning, but now when I advise new people, I say, look, if possible, get get an angel investor on board or use someone else's money. Right. If you don't have the cap, unless you know, unless you want to raid your life savings, which I wouldn't recommend that either, unless you have the capital yourself. Um, my my first student in Romania, I that was all self funded because I took a before I opened that I was um, I sold my first studio, and and then I, which was very very cheap to open that studio, but, but then I, I I then started helping fitness pros, started doing business consulting for a while. Um, I, I made, you know, multiple six figures doing that for a couple of years. Um, and then in 2014, I wanted to open the gym again. So I took 40K out of my own money, which was easy for me to invest then. And it was all mine. Um, but if you're not in that in a position to do that, which most people aren't, then um, look in your client base, look at friends or family. Uh, and, you know, if you've got a roster of 50 clients, I'm sure you have at least one person, if you're good, who would actually be happy to invest some money in you. Um, in fact, even even um, James, my partner, when he opened the first Transform Hub, he had a he he was given ten thousand pounds towards it by one of his one-to-one PT clients, Wendy, who actually is now a ten percent owner in the business. Right? Um, she didn't. She didn't um, expect that in return. It was just to help him out and he could pay her back kind of whenever. But then she ended up loving the hub so much. She, she works as a, as a regional director for us now. So um, you'll, you'll have people in your network who might be able to help you out with it. Not the whole amount, but even just five, 10, 15,000. Hmm. And be open to accept. If you, if you get a good plan together, then be open to that. And that'll help you. Um, money will solve a lot of your problems. Uh, and the second thing then is you've got to look at the logistics and you've got to become a good negotiator. So you've got to get a good lease contract. You need to know what you're looking for. It's got to be in a good, dense region. 
we we even go and do our um we we test locations through facebook ads sometimes so we'll even look at the facebook metrics of the radius of what our reach is going to be and we we usually want at least 40 50,000 people in that in that radius um for the size of location we want if your studio is smaller you might not need that many but we use facebook as a tool to kind of do some territory mapping um or you could even run some test adverts uh, and do a phony ad basically in that area see if there's a response see how much the leads cost see how active the area is and if that's a good that's another good indicator that it's going to be low risk to open there nice. um yeah so that's that's two things i would look at and, and yeah, negotiating a good lease and find a good landlord that is key your relationship you're basically married to the landlord you don't know how many stories I've heard of fit pros who have great businesses, but awful landlords who mess up everything for them and make their life hell. I'd rather have an average location with a great landlord who helps scratches my back and I scratch his back and, and you know, isn't breathing down my neck the, the day the rent is due and things like that. Um, so find a good landlord, build a good relationship with them and get the best lease contract that you can. Uh, and those three things are going to give you so much momentum going into it. Nice, nice, nice. I think we've literally covered every possible aspect of lead generation, sales, marketing, systems, opening the gym and everything. So to finish then, I know you have a special offer for um, the viewers and the listeners of this podcast then. Yeah, so I mean, if anything has resonated with you today, if, if you'd like more clarity, you want to ask more questions, then I'm just making myself available uh, for anyone listening to this, um, but Dave, uh, you can you'll find the link that we'll give you somewhere, and um, you can book in a call with me, like totally free of charge. We'll have like a business planning session for 2023. You can just tell me what your situation is, wh what you're doing in terms of an offer, lead, sales, finances, or whatever else, and um, I'll just give you as much free advice as I can. Give you an action plan on the call that you can go away with. Uh, and hopefully that will just, you can take my my 10 years of experience and operating 20 locations. So it's kind of experience that would be hard to find or, or hard to get for free. <laughs> and um, and hopefully that helps you. Perfect. Justin, appreciate you coming on today. Thank you very much. Hopefully we'll get you on start of next year to find out how, how far you've got, if you're close to that 50 mark or not just yet by next year. Sounds good. No worries. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for coming on. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week on another guest interview. Each and every Monday, we try and bring you a brand new guest interview to help you grow and scale your fitness business. As usual, if you haven't already subscribed to the channel, don't forget to subscribe below. And if you want to watch these interviews live and ask questions, then come and join us inside the free Facebook group. I'll speak to you all next week. Cheers.